0: Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. One Viking to the IR, another Viking off the IR. What's the impact?
1: I'm Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings. And uh, I guess Brock Purdy got exposed. Let's expose him again.
2: Luke Gidman, at Luke underscore Spinman. Noah Reef today, eh? So we get to make his gambling picks for him then? Is that how that works? Greg Joseph, over nine field goals. Punch him. Let's go. And no
0: gloating from him either for winning his parlay last week. That's today on the Minnesota Football Party. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. Thursday episode of the Minnesota Football Party on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Really glad you've joined us today, both on YouTube, the Locked On Sports Minnesota channel, and on audio, the Locked On Vikings feed, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You also might be watching us on the twenty four seven YouTube live stream, now available. Locked On Sports Minnesota, please check that out as well, and find us in a myriad of ways: the SXM app, Roku, Amazon Fire. So many ways to consume the content here at Locked On Sports Minnesota. You met Luke Inman, you met Luke Braun, Arif Hasan off today, but we will be joined by Ron Johnson a little bit later in the show. A host here at Locked On Sports Minnesota. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to PrizePicks.com/slash LockedOnNFL. And use code all lowercase locked on NFL. One word for a first deposit match up to 100 dollars A key Vikings pass rusher to the IR, a role-playing running back off the IR. We'll get into that. We'll get into the San Francisco 49ers today. And Luke Braun saying Brock Purdy got exposed in his first NFL <laughs> loss. The deadline lying, the deadline looms in two weeks what could happen in the next two weeks that could affect the Vikings decision-making. We'll also make week seven parlay picks. And of course, talk to RJ Ron Johnson. Uh, all right, gentlemen, let's do the newsy thing. First, Marcus Davenport to the IR. I think we expected it. Didn't look good. Second ankle injury of the year. He's out minimum four weeks. Vikings now down a key pass rusher. And as a bummer as it is, Luke Inman, DJ Wanham. Does not get to face Justin Fields every single week. That's the one guy where I trust DJ Wanham against. Not sure if I do against the Brock Purdy's and the Jordan loves and the whoever else is of the world, but the Vikings lose Marcus Davenport. How big a hit to the defense
2: uh, DJ one, hall of famer versus the bears. Anyways, mm-hmm. can we just keep playing the bears? Uh, yeah. Davenport <laughs> hurts, man. It's going to be tough because you saw the impact he was making when he was healthy out there. The, uh, the defense just in general, just as a whole, not just up front, just in general, seemed to click a little bit more when Davenport was out there early on the struggle, those first three weeks or so, especially, especially, I remember no one outside of Daniel was winning any one-on-one battles up front. I mean, Patrick Jones has one of the worst PFF grades in the league right now – 30.2 overall, 44.7 pass rush grade. His tackling hasn't been any better. That's actually atrocious. 26.5 tackling grade per PFF. So, I don't know. Davenport definitely gave him that second guy up front who is consistently winning these one-on-one matchups, getting home when Flores dialed up the blitzes, put all those guys in one-on-one situations, two sacks in those four appearances. Now, I will say... Davenport went out relatively early in the Bears game last week, what early second quarter and a lot of their big splash plays, a lot of good pressures and sacks came after he was out devil's advocate. Of course, obviously you were playing against a rookie D two quarterback, So I get that part as well. All right, let's, let's keep everything in check here, but week by week though, just in general. And we talked about this on Monday. I think the defense has taken a step forward and looked more and more comfortable every single game that's gone by. And I think, You're seeing outside of Daniil, who's been a freak so far, when Flores dials up these blitzes, if he's not going to get help from guys like Patrick Jones, maybe DJ Wanham, Andre Carter's going to have a little bit bigger role now maybe, I think you're going to see Flores utilize anyone and everyone else who's shown they can excel in getting into the backfield a little bit more often. So guys like Josh Metellus, he's been hot. Harrison Smith, we know he can blitz well off the edge. Ivan Pace Jr., he's got an 88 pass rush grade right now per PFF. Who knows? Maybe we see a little bit more Brian Asamoah, you know. Um <sighs> That's been a little bit disappointing, to be honest. But who knows? Who knows who's going to be stepping up? I think now it's about finding guys who can just win one-on-one matchups the most, get them on the field, and send them after the quarterback at this point.
0: I wasn't planning on doing this segment today, but I just uncovered it in real time.
2: Analytics fans, rejoice.
0: It's time to get educated.
2: Whoa, you're blowing my mind right now. With the nerdy stat of the day.
0: DJ Wanham. I looked through his
2: I looked through his yeah. year
0: by year game logs. He has the most pressures each year against the Bears. In his four year career, every single season of his career, he's had his best game against Chicago. That includes last week at
1: Field. Is it Field. always so at Chicago, too? It,
0: three of the four years was That's at incredible. Chicago. One <laughs> year. To do it at two US years is
2: like, okay, kind of fluky coincidence, whatever. Four years, though, something's clicking over there versus Chicago. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it does mean it's all downhill from here, though, Luke Braun. And Marcus Davenport's out too. And Patrick Jones, like Luke said, has been bad. So what do the Vikings do?
1: I mean, they've got to do the same thing they did the first three weeks, or at least try to, right? The bummer is, I don't know if they really have somebody outside of Daniel Hunter who I like consistently trust to win one on ones. Um, I, I, honestly, the next best pass rushing entity on the team might be freaking Ivan Pace, like, <laughs> and and that's mostly because he's getting running backs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's an issue. I think maybe the biggest issue in, in team building that the Vikings had this off season, like now that we know how things have, have, have borne out um, that they don't like this defense is set up to give people one-on-ones and one-on-ones are opportunities, right? Hey, you are head up against a guard. That guard has no help because of the way that we've manipulated the protection, beat him. You can get a sack and, you know, or at least get a pressure. And, I'm sorry. Dean Lowry is not getting that done. So that's what we're going to see. We're going to see more Dean Lowry. We're going to see more Wanam, more Patrick Jones. And we're going to be disappointed by that. Cause I don't think any of those players are playing very well right now. Um, and they're just really thin at that disruptor kind of defensive line position position. There's a lot of guys that can take up space that can be role players that can get in a gap can, you know, run fit fine, I guess. Um, but they don't have anybody that can proactively, be a game wrecker outside of Daniel Hunter. Mm-hmm. So they'll probably just have to start manufacturing this. It's going to all have to be taken up on the whiteboard. And well, you're going up against Kyle Shanahan on the whiteboard. Good luck. So the, the ripple effect
0: is interesting because Davenport's out at least four weeks could be like six, like depending on the severity of this angle, angle sprain. trade deadlines in two. Daniel
1: Hunter is probably the most tradable asset on this roster. That is surely this prob- time. Everybody talking about Daniel Hunter getting traded will get him traded. Surely we've 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 we haven't been wrong about this for three happen. years in a row. Yeah,
2: yeah,
0: yeah. He's he's the Max Kepler of the Twins. He's the the Matt Dumba of the Wild. There's just, there's always a guy. There's always a guy you're trying to to unload. But it would be a pretty tanky move to not have Marcus Davenport and then get rid of Daniel Hunter. I guess it would be like 2020. Um, with Ngakwe but uh, I'm curious about how the next two weeks could influence this deadline because two and six feels a whole lot different than three and five and way different than four and four and the Vikings have San Francisco and Green Bay they could lose both they could win both I don't think it's impossible that either happens so do you think that Luke uh, Inman these games will have real impact on what Quasey's going to do? Or do you think Quasey's kind of made up his mind at this point? Like, what do you think that's that's going to look like?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. And I don't think we're going to know the answer until the deadline comes and goes. And I think the assumption is if they lose these next few games, you would think, you would assume Quasey would start cleaning house. I know a lot of the fan base has been begging, just just chomping at the bit for a tank since the Vikings lost their first three games and started 0-3. But guys like Daniel. Ezra Cleveland, KJ Osborne, probably all on the chopping block. Maybe a Jordan Hicks or Harrison Smith you get a late-day three pick for. Um, we know they've already gotten calls, not just lately, but even this offseason about Daniil Hunter, too. So there's plenty of value there to be had right now. His stock couldn't be higher. Eight sacks right now through these first six games. Um, if you do want to go into sell mode, I think. But I just mm-hmm. get the feeling personally I just get the feeling Quasey's not going to be a huge seller at the deadline, even if they continue to lose. I don't know why it just feels like he thinks even on a, just for let's use Hunter, for example, here, even on a one-year deal, Hunter's going to be a free agent next year. Hunter's a guy they still want back next year and moving him pretty much deletes that option, obviously. So um, I get it's a gamble, but maybe he wants to stay in Minnesota just as much as you want him around next year. And going into year three of this, you know, competitive rebuild, the goal is to keep, and add more and more talent as much as you can, not get rid of it. And hey, I'm a draft nerd. I want all the picks we can get, but I'm not going to be that surprised when Quasey's pretty quiet at the deadline outside of maybe moving somebody like Ezra Cleveland, I could see for maybe a day three pick just based off his past moves, but I could be wrong too. I mean, this will definitely be a, this is a new test for him, right? It's a position we've never seen him in before uh, at the deadline, likely on the outside, looking in at the playoffs with multiple, you know, big names banged up like JJ, of course.
0: Yeah. Surprise buyer last year, getting Hawkinson. I would be Absolutely stunned if there was a buying element this year, Braun. The mm-hmm. comp pick situation could look pretty good in 2025. Like we'll see how it all plays sure. out. But if 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 Kirk, if they you know, don't trade them, Kirk off the books, Osborne, Cleveland, Neal, Harrison, Hicks, like there could <laughs> be a lot of picks coming their way. But um, trade deadline, Braun, your thoughts.
1: So I, I think with what the Vikings, I don't think they'd get rid of somebody they don't feel like they have an okay backup for. Like they're not going to get rid of like that part of the the silliness of the Kirk cousins thing is like, yeah, they're not going to suffer a Nick Mullen season so that they can get a little bit of extra in in compensatory. Like they're not doing that. They're, they're not putting themselves through that. Um, and I think that's the same deal with, with Daniel Hunter. Uh, I I just, I don't know. I've, I've said, no, they will not trade Daniel Hunter consecutively for like three years. And I've never been burned on that. So I guess I'll just keep letting that. ride. <laughs> Um, but I think a lot of the like rumor and conjecture that's coming out, especially from national media, might be coming from other teams because I think other teams are seeing what everybody else is seeing. They're going, ah, these guys aren't having a great year. You know, they've lost four already. They maybe they don't think that they they can pack it in. We got Mr. Analytics up there. Analytics is tank, right? That's what analytics is. So uh, maybe they'll have a fire sale. And, and I think that there's they may be fielding a lot of calls from teams going, hmm, is Daniel Hunter for sale? Hmm, is Harrison Smith for sale? But I don't, I, I still don't see the Vikings and their personality that goes all the way up to ownership saying, yeah, we'll pack this one in, you know, it's especially if they go say one and one in the next two, right? Lose to 49ers, beat the Packers. Let's say they do that. And they're sitting there at three and five. I don't think they look at three and five and go, this is unsalvageable. Let's get rid of everyone. I, 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 I don't There's even see them doing that coming up after that too. Yeah. I don't even see that happening at two and six. I think they would have had to lose to the bears. And I think they would have to get killed by the 49ers by about 50 to start thinking that way. Um, Look, Quacey's a trader, right? He'll field every phone call. Maybe somebody makes a godfather offer for somebody, but I think if they do sell at the deadline, it's not going to be some core stud player. It's going to be somebody closer to, you know, KJ Osborne. It's going to be somebody that is, uh, or it, it's going to be like Johnny Munt. Like somebody is like, Oh, okay. I guess somebody where like the Vidarian low trade,
2: some viable depth behind him, Like you said, right. like Jalen Naylor. Hey Jalen Naylor, we were pumped during training camp. He looked great. He showed flashes. We're ready to see more of a guy like Jalen Naylor. Sure. We can let go of KG Osborne knowing that we're likely not going to sign him next year. Anyways, I still think there's a chance Daniel Hunter wants to stay in Minnesota and they find some sort of way to come to him a long term deal next offseason with him. So I think they're 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 pretty close to the vest, I think, with moving on from Hunter. Unless, like you said, Luke, unless it's like a godfather offer. Sure. Two first. Okay. Sure. Punch it. Boy,
0: that the the thing with Daniel though is that they've had that opportunity to mm-hmm. to do that when he's part of their team. Right. Yep. Like yep. like he yeah, they exactly. they didn't need to to but they had no for... money.
2: They they've had no money the last two years. I mean, quasey has been cleaning up this Rick Spielman mess for a while since he's been they, here now. Hopefully. But
0: they they found but they found twenty for this year for him, and they could have promised him twenty. Like they could have promised. Wait, are you money talking about the future?
1: They don't have money to extend him long term.
0: Well, he said, yeah, he's saying that they've they've been strapped for cap which is true, but you can always find the long-term money. Yeah. They, they can definitely
1: do it now. I think it's a matter of now he's 30. So he gets to dissolve into ash. He's dead now once he'll be 30 (laughs) next year. So so he's also playing himself into,
0: (laughs) into that even higher tax bracket too, with the way he's playing. It's not going to be a bargain. If you hoped he would lose a little value this year, not happening at all. Um, I most disappointing move they could make at the deadline would be to unload Harrison Smith for something stupid, like a future 6th mm-hmm. will won't happen would won't be the happen. dumbest way for his career with the Vikings to end for crazy yeah. to get a, basically a trade piece to wheel and deal on draft day. I have a hot that take. That would be
1: the say again. I have a hot take. Yep. I think, I think Lewis Seen has a better chance to be traded than Harrison Smith. 100%. Agreed. Agreed. Like if I were to, honestly, that might be the single guy on the team. Most likely to be traded. Yeah, no He's not using At him. Point, He's still a first point. round pick. He's still got it. Nobody's really seen anything from him. Right. Like That's
2: almost the best part. Like yeah, nobody really knows. So you're just
1: people like just like. going off their draft grades. Right. Yeah. I feel go, like right, you're
0: yeah. seeing
2: this more and more too. Teams
0: are pretty willing now to, to unload high picks within Early. a two year window. Early. Yeah. 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 Because they, that's where the value is if they think they've got a good read on their roster and that player's talent, unload them for something in year two, because in year four, you've got nothing left. If they're a bust in year four, it's over, right? right. Like the right. Eagles were smart right. to get rid of Rager when they did and got something for him. Yeah. That, Great take, Bron. Yeah, and I
2: the think, fact that that that, I think the fact that Cam Bynum has taken this next step changes everything with the safety room as well, too. Obviously, you can't bank on Harrison Smith lasting too much longer, but obviously, as long as Flores is around anyways, they've got this role carved out for Josh Metellus mm-hmm. as well. But the fact that you can rely on Cam Bynum, and he's shown that next step now, been pretty consistent player on the defensive side of the ball that opens up some options as well where it's just like man maybe we just don't need or have the room for a guy like lewis scene right now yeah
0: the safety position is in good hands for multiple years feels like it i'm not i'm not worried at all about about scene being a bust like i am because they didn't get a better player but i'm not worried about safety
1: at all yeah It did not become much of an. i mean you have to be okay long term with like Cam Bynum, Josh Metellus, which like sure I kind of if, if you're going to stay in the Flores world, you probably also need a third one that's better than Theo Jackson, but that's not like a first round need.
0: Maybe it's Jay Ward. Uh, we're yeah. going to talk 49ers with Ron Johnson, who joins us after a word from Bird Dogs. Uh, bird Dogs are Fantastic. Let me start with that. I love my bird dogs. I wear them constantly. The shorts all summer were fantastic. I'd wear them to the gym. They would sculpt my thighs, give me a nice look. They're they're very um light and malleable. They're not stiff with the restricting cotton fabric. And they've got that anti-stink sweat-waking fabric. They are so wonderful. I love my bird dog shorts. And then you pivot to the, the cool fall and you wear the joggers in the morning where there's that chill in the air, and they hug your leg, and they feel so good. They're good for any occasion. It's like when you're putting together your fantasy team, you need a flex player. Bird dogs are the flex pants. Wear them golfing, wear them on a date, wear them lounging around the house, wear them out on your deck when you're working. They're so fantastic um, and versatile. So now the, the deal is you can go to birddogs.com slash NFL. Enter promo code locked on NFL at checkout. Get a free Bird Dogs water bottle. I've got the tumbler here that I, I drink my coffee out of every morning, and then you get the water bottle. You can go uh, hydrate when you go work out later in the day. BirdDogs.com slash LOCKEDONNFL, free water bottle at checkout. You're not going to want to take your Bird Dogs off. I promise you, go get some Bird Dogs today. We got Ron Johnson coming up here momentarily. We'll bring him into the conversation about the San Francisco 49ers coming off a 1917 loss against the Cleveland Browns. Brock Purdy is human. He has lost a football game (laughs) as Ron gets teed up. We'll bring Ron in here right now so he can be here at the start of this conversation. He's at three Ron Johnson on X host of the Ron Johnson show. And Ron, let me give you the first word on this Brock Purdy. Um, has an L on his resume now for the first time. Is this a quarterback that Brian Flores can slow down?
3: Uh, let me see. Slow down? No. Um, I think it's going to be a combination of Brian Flores and Kirk Cousins. Uh, when you look at Brock Purdy's time of possession, I think that's the thing that slows Brock Purdy down is you they can't get in the rhythm. If you give them three and outs and he's back on the field fast and he's able to figure it out, he's very unbeatable if you could sustain drives and also not become a victim of their bully ball offense, if you look at uh, their offensive line and how they run the ball and how they just want to kind of suffocate you and make you be on the defensive, um, I think Brian Flores is going to have to put the 49ers on the defensive. So what does that mean? He's going to give up some plays. He's going to give up a lot of plays because they have a lot of hot rod options. Um, But within the system, and I'm not going to say he's a system quarterback because I know everybody hates that. But within the system, if you look at, if they go two tight ends uh, with, with two receivers and a running back, these tight ends understand right away the count the box. If there are seven to eight guys in the box right away, they already know, OK, if one of these guys isn't covering me, I'm the automatic hot route. So you're going to give up some of that stuff. But what does that mean? You blitz and replace. So whoever blitzes, the next guy has to replace knowing I'm covering this tight end. I'm going to give up a catch, but I got to stop him and not allow him to get a 15, 20 yard rumble like George Kittle or use check seems to get. And that's the key, I think, to to, to dealing with this offense. You got to make Brock Purdy realize you're going to come after him. You're going to blitz him. Uh, Can he run? Yes. Is he a runner? No. And so. I want them to put him off and put him on the defensive, make him second guess what he's doing. Uh, He hasn't been blitzed a ton this year because everybody's been, quote unquote, afraid of this system offense and how well Kyle Shanahan has it moving. But I think if Brian Flores can get after him and then also Kirk Cousins can keep him off the field for long periods of time, that's going to slow Brock Purdy down.
2: Ron, I'd love your take on what's going on with the Vikes run game right now, because everyone's confused when you see this offensive line is actually playing very well. They're graded out pretty high every week. And last year, that was the thing. It was like Dalvin was always hitting the backfield so often. But Mm -hmm. now that the offensive line's playing better, they look a little bit more cohesive but yet still the run game's virtually obsolete. So what is it? Like, what are you seeing when you sit down and watch these games around? What are you seeing? Is it Madison specifically? Is it his vision, lack of patience or something? Is it the run calls themselves? I'd love your take on that.
3: Uh, I'm never going to put it on the running back 100%, because again, every running back, I've been in three to four different offenses in the NFL. I was a coach for the Colts. I played for the Ravens. I played for the Bears. And so when you look at, and then my time with the Washington football team, I don't think I paid attention to much. But when you look at, When you look at the run game of like the Ravens, for instance, Jamal Lewis was a power back. His goal was, I'm going to hit the hole as fast as possible. You guys make the blocks. And it was more of a man scheme. When you look at Orlando Brown, Zeus, you had Jonathan Ogden, Um, you, you had big physical offensive linemen, and then you had Terry Jones at tight end, you had Todd Heap at tight end. So it was, it was less of trying to get to the exterior and more interior runs, move on to the bears. It was with Olin Krutz, and the way they moved it was more of a zone. Olin Krutz was a mover, so they had a zone. So the two different running back styles were, I'm going to wait for a hole, and then I'm going to hit it. Even if I go to the Gophers, when you talk about Mo Ibrahim in that middle zone read, he's having Mm. to scan tackle to tackle as he's running right. So he's running right, he's looking tackle to tackle, he's waiting for something, and then he's got to hit the hole. I don't know if Alexander Madison has that quick twitch to do it. Dalvin Cook had it. Uh, It seems like Cam Akers has it. Alexander Madison seems better going just downhill. Give me a lane. You guys got to block it. Let me go. That doesn't work as much in today's offense. When you look at Christian McCaffrey, you look at Derrick Henry, even Um, a lot of these teams are doing the delay behind the line zone run. Like you just keep stretch, 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 and then wait for somebody to, to get too aggressive and overrun your lane. And then you take that lane and get four to five yards. Our goal is not to break big ones. And I think, Alexander Madison maybe felt a little pressure early on. He felt pressure to like want to be better than Dalvin Cook, want to show everybody I'm better than you think I can be. And so he's pressing the issue too much and not taking what the defense gives him. Four yard gain on first down is great. Four yard gain on first down is great because now you're in second and six. Now a three yard gain puts you in third and three and it's a very manageable third down. You're ahead of schedule. The Minnesota Vikings have been so far behind schedule that even once Kevin O'Connell gets that play sheet and gets to the red zone, and here's a red zone stat to me that is ridiculous. They've run the ball 15 times in the red zone, 15 times they pass it. 40. They have three interceptions in the red zone, which is the most. Then you fast forward and you look at the 49ers, 47 runs, 40, that's 32 more runs than the Minnesota Vikings in the red zone. And from a play-calling standpoint, people are like, well, yeah, they had four 4- hundred fourteen plays to the Minnesota Vikings, 78 plays. Yeah, how do you get more plays? You effectively run the ball, and you get first downs in the red zone. The red zone is not always about, I got to score right now, right now, right now. And I feel like that's where Kevin O'Connell is at times. And maybe that's just a lack of trust in his run game. And 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 that's that's what I look at is, where is this run game at in the red zone? Because that gives you an inclination and in how the coach feels about it. Like, what's my best option to get more yards and for Kevin O'Connell he doesn't feel like the run games there whereas the 49ers in the red zone they're like we're going to run our offense 47 runs we're going to put it down your throat if you can't stop it we're going to score and that's the two differences in these offenses it's just the philosophy of how they run when they run the purpose of the run uh it felt like i forgot what game that was but he came on five straight runs it felt like very on purpose cuz everybody's like you cannot get the run going mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. he's kind of like just i don't know i don't know if it's there let's just throw let's throw let's throw a double hitch out reverse like what are you doing on first down? (laughs) and so it just it it doesn't always seem like it makes sense right now and and honestly I don't know but I'm not going to just put on Alexander Madison because maybe he has outside zone and the defensive line just plays it perfect nobody jumps a lane trying to make the tackle everybody just shuffles down saying let's just stretch the thing out stretch it all the way out to the sideline and now he has no room and now our linebackers can feel I think that's the big difference is like he's not forcing the defense to get antsy. Dalvin Cook forced the defense at times to get antsy, and they would jump lanes to try to stop Mm -hmm. him from getting going. And maybe that's just not where teams view Alexander Madison.
2: Yeah, I mentioned this on Monday too. Vikings, one of only two teams in the league who haven't scored a rushing touchdown, the other one being the Steelers. And then I saw this this morning: Vikings dead last in time of possession as well. So again, wow. another thing that kind of equates
1: turnovers that to, will do that too. Turnovers will <laughs> absolutely do that. it sure. on the Play's first first play factor. of a drive, and then yep, you give up. Help. You know, yeah. You, part you, of it too is is the the defense is the best in the league at preventing explosive plays, Mm -hmm. but they still are average statistically despite that, because they are giving up dinks and dunks and they give up, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 play drives all the time. So you are susceptible to this sequence of like a big 12 play drive and the defense gets tired and then you throw an interception or you fumble the ball in the next, on the first play of the next drive. And then you give up 13 on the way back. I think something like that happened against Kansas city, uh, or it might've just been a three and out. But that that's going to like totally wreck your time of possession. Um, It's really interesting on Alexander Madison because I think the difference between him and Cam Akers is this like fascinating one of of just like philosophy almost um, where I think Madison has been for the last couple years a lot better than he was as a rookie. As a rookie, he did just try to be like Dalvin mini uh, where he would bounce everything to the outside. He would try to get these edges. Like Dalvin cook would take an edge that he had absolutely no business taking. And he would just say F the leverage. I can beat that guy to the edge. And he would, and it would be an explosive and Madison would then try to do that. And it would be this negative play. And it was, it would be a struggle back in like 2019, 2020 when he was first learning it. And I thought last year he learned how to be himself a little bit more and be that guy that takes four yards and just says, here's where the space is. Mm -hmm. I'm just running up. Yeah, the linebacker is going to get me. I'm going to lower my shoulder. I'm going to hit him. I'm going to fall forward. six-yard run. We're happy with that all day. Um, And watching Cam Akers, he has the vision of like a home run hitter all day. Like he's, he wants to hit dingers all day long. He's always just looking for that extra daylight, even if it means a harder path to the second level. Um, and it reminds me in a way of some of the craziest runs, like, it's 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 Adrian Peterson brain. Adrian Peterson was the greediest running back of all time. He mm-hmm. would always be looking for the touchdown, always, 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 and you know, and that would be the famine, famine, feast thing. He would get a negative two, a negative two, and then a ninety-eight yard run. Um, and I feel like Cam Akers has that same mentality. Obviously, not as much talent, but that same mentality, and maybe that is something if we're looking to get explosive runs, right? If we're looking to get rushing touchdowns, maybe there is something to giving that a little bit more time. I don't know. I I don't really have a question. I just want to kind of weigh in, weigh
3: in on that. <laughs> No, like, like to your point though, this is the thing I've always looked at in the NFL and this is tough. This is a grown man business. These are grown men, you know, providing for their family. You never want to just say, oh, this guy shouldn't be in the game. This guy should be in the game. But if you're saying who secured their spot on the field and who deserves an opportunity, I just feel like when you look at this and so you look at, and I looked at last year because people are always like, well, what did Kevin O'Connor do last year? Last year, running the ball, In the red zone, first six games, he only ran the ball five more times. But the biggest difference was he had seven more touchdowns. Like it was a huge difference. Like he ran the ball and got touchdowns. It was a huge difference. Now, five runs. People are like, oh, that's not a big deal. It's a big deal if those runs are getting you 10 yards. Those are getting you more first downs. He had 18 first downs so far this year. He had 24 last year. So what does that mean? If I'm not getting the production in the run game that I think I should be, What's the negative of putting Cam Akers in? And so I think you do have a point there. There's no negative really of letting Cam Akers maybe get 18 carries this game against the 49ers at home and just see what happens. Like if Cam Akers gets 18 carries and the Vikings lose by seven, or if Alexander Madison gets 18 carries and the Vikings lose by seven, nothing was lost. But what you can gain is maybe an understanding of, look, Cam Akers is a better back with 18 carries than Alexander. Alexander Madison, I think, needs a 24-carry game. Like, he's always been, we felt like, a production back that needs more volume. Like, whenever that Dalvin Cook was out, he would have ridiculous games. Like, oh, man, this dude just went for 22 carries, 100 yards against the Seahawks, and da-da-da. And then you say, okay, well, what does it look like with 15 carries or seven carries behind Dalvin Cook? And it was always like, oh, he'd have a big run here and there, but then it'd be like, oh, like, yeah, Dalvin Cook's got to be in the game. It feels like a little bit of that this year. Like Cam Akers comes in, and you're like, "Wow, I wonder how this guy could do with 18 carries." And so, again, I don't think the Vikings are too like. There are certain organizations that you know will be completely like mindless to motion. They're just going to do what it does for the business. I don't care who you are. If I need to sit you, I'm gonna sit you. If I need to start you, I'm gonna start you. The Minnesota Vikings, from the top down, this is an organization, and there's nothing wrong with this. Again. cares they care about their players they care about the the families they care about the feelings which is great like you don't want to have i mean because i think they've they've become anti-zimmer so much that they're not willing to make the tough decision sometimes and the tough decision right now is i think cam Akers deserves to split like if you're going to run the ball 22 times this game this this 49ers should be 11 and 11 it should be like, you're going to go Series 1, you're going to go Series 2. You're going to go Series 1, you're going to go Series 2. And it's just, I don't care, like, we're not doing hot hand and all that. I'm just going to see what happens if I give both of you equal time on the field. And then let's go from there and deal with our metrics after that.
1: And for me, at least, it's not, ah, Madison's been so bad, get him out of no, there, bench. Yeah, you know, no. it's it's more that Cam Akers has earned more of an opportunity that he has. And right. I bet if you ask most position coaches in the league, they'd say, yeah, We probably have you know three four guys that deserve sixty percent of the snaps, and there's just not enough snaps to go around to get everybody what they truly deserve. Here's one I'll give you though: Puka
3: Nakua and Cooper Cup. Like, yeah, Puka Nakua has earned the right to get more targets because people are like, "Oh, Cooper Cup's going to come back and Puka Nakua is going to suffer." He's not because they're like, "Look, instead of throwing the ball to Cooper Cup twenty times, let's just go eight and eight and give them both balls and see what happens." And that's what I think. That's and that's what I'm saying. Like Alexander Madison is not bad. But it's a Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup situation. Like, why would I suffocate my young talent or my new talent knowing that he's good when this other guy wasn't here? So let's just make both of them good. Let's go Isaac Bruce and uh, Torrey Holt. You know, like, you you even it out. Let's go Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne. Like, you even it out. Like, there's times where, hey, look, we have two even ta- – look at Marion Barber and Lawrence Moroni. Like the, the Minnesota yep. Gophers figured it out. Cadillac Brown yep. and uh, whatever Williams, uh, what was it? Williams and Brown,
2: Ronnie, uh, uh, Ronnie
3: Brown, and, yeah, Cadillac Williams. Like oh you man. figure it out when you have two guys, you figure it out and you say, Look, here's where we're going with this thing. I can't give you 18 and you one anymore. This doesn't work. I got to mm-hmm. spread it out between the two of you. So that's that's where I go with it. I don't yeah. think Alexander Mass has done anything wrong, I just think Cam Akers deserves a chance.
0: Yeah, I yeah the 18 and one is what bothers me like yeah, it that wasn't, was terrible you know I don't think Madison is quite good enough to say you get 18 and the other guy gets one let's right. just strike a little a little more of a balance Ron let me ask you this dumb question but you can you can help enlighten me San Francisco I believe has scored on their first possession every single game and the Vikings have struggled in this area
3: mm-hmm. what is the key to a, a good opening script? So there's two versions of this, and there is no right or wrong answer to this. There's two versions, though. Peyton Manning's opening script, and I was going to hold up a blank piece of paper because nobody can see it, but was blank. <laughs> His opening script was blank. Tom Moore had, and this is how funny it was. It was blank to the point where uh, Jim Sorgi had the clipboard. Normally, your clipboard kind of had the plays, and you just kind of write notes like this worked, this didn't work, plus seven, whatever, minus one, and you kind of have an idea so you can take it back to coach. Like, hey, here's what your first 15 look like. All right, here's what I'm going to take from the first 15. I like these. These work. These didn't work. I'm going to throw those out for the rest of the game. Peyton Manning's was blank. So Jim Sorgi would be over there like actually listening to the play, listening to Peyton, and then like writing down what he thinks the formation was. And then he would talk to Peyton after, Like, what was that play, dude? Like, we did it in practice, too. It would be blank. It would be a blank script. Everybody knows in practice is even scripted. We had blank scripts for Peyton and we had actual scripts for Jim Sorgi. And it was hilarious. Where Peyton in practice, even like the backup quarterbacks had to like wear an earpiece in practice because they're like, Look, I, I don't know what you just did there. And so they would like ask him after he would write it down. They would walk it over to the coach. Hey, coach, he ran blah 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 383, you know, z zip. And they would write it down. So there's no right or wrong to this. But with Kevin O'Connell, this is what I'm wondering. Last year, he was one of the best coaches in the NFL for the first 15 plays. You look at his first 15 plays, his first eight minutes, his first eight minutes of the game last year. He was one of the top offenses in the NFL this year. He's one of the worst. So I don't know what it is, to be honest. I don't know if it's maybe because they're not establishing the run. I don't know if it's because he hasn't done anything different. That's what we don't know. Like maybe teams saw film on him and they're like, I know exactly what this dude's going to do. Like maybe he hasn't, you know, he's not as innovative as we thought. I, I really don't know the answer to it. Um, but what I will say is if, if I were to, like, actually watch the first 15 plays of every game, which I'm not going to, um, <laughs> but watch the offensive line play, I guarantee there's pieces in there where they're like, well, if he blocked this guy, this play would have worked. Well, if he caught this mm-hmm. ball, that'd be a positive. Uh, and also, that's part of it, too. There's been fumbles and drops in that yeah. first drive. Turnovers there's been a lot of turnovers and a lot of drops. Like if you think about TJ Hawkinson drops, uh, KJ Osborne drops, like there's been a lot of random weird drops where you're like, that's an easy six yard catch. What are we doing? And so now instead of second and six or third and six, they're in third and 10. And so now they have to run a third and 10 play. And what does that mean? Corners can sit at seven yards and no, you got to get to the sticks. So that little eight yard route, that little seven yard route is not going to work. If you get behind me, my hopefully my defensive line has gotten to you by now. And so I think that's part of it, too. It, it's It's been a terrible start to a lot of games uh, of drops, fumbles. And then after and then you're playing catch up. So you let the team score first like the Chiefs. And now you feel a sense of urgency to go out there and score the next drive. So I, I think that's part of the problem, too.
0: Uh, clock management. I got to uh, we're up against the clock here. So, Ron, we got to let you go. But at All three right. on Johnson on X, he is uh, the host of the Friday roundtable tomorrow morning as well Reggie Wilson from care 11 will be in the mix I'll be there and Julia Daniels as well uh thanks so much Ron and enjoy the game on Sunday maybe Kevin O'Connor
3: will hire you to be his clock manager to let him know (laughs) there
2: we go
0: need (laughs) it yeah I'll tell him when to call timeouts (laughs) all right appreciate it thanks a lot Ron I did some deep digging by the way on the run game that we we talked about and I was blown away the Vikings run game is fifth in success rate in the NFL that is the best success rate they've ever had since the stat began in 2012
2: hmm.
0: Wow better better than Dalvin's best year Wow better than Adrian Peterson in 2012 now the difference is no explosives the success rate doesn't account for explosive plays and the Vikings like Luke you pointed out they don't have any they don't have any runs over 20 yards they don't get they don't change games on the ground, but they also are not getting off schedule that much. Yeah, that's Madison. And, that's, and that's right. the, the
1: mentality of I'll just take my space and not have a negative play. Yep.
0: Yep. Rush yards over expected is bad for Madison. It's bad for acres, but you know who it's worse for Dalvin cook. He is mm-hmm. the worst in the league in yards oh. under expected, which is insane. How bad, like his start is he so was last night- year too. Marriage. Yes, I,
1: I don't. I don't love that stat, but he was really bad in it last year. I, for whatever reason, just doesn't like the way that he runs the ball.
0: Yeah, and the well, small sample size. Dalvin too, and he's gotten like seven, eight carries a game in New York because Brees mm. Hall's balling. Yep, doesn't look good on Dalvin. Like Dalvin needed the volume, especially I think as he ages, he needed to have a chance to break that explosive, and he's not getting it in New York, and it's not going well for him. So the run game doesn't pass the eye test but it passes the analytics test it's a weird duality that we're dealing with there um could it get better yes absolutely it could get better and more uh more balanced between the two runners um we got parlays last week arifasan was a winner and we will make our picks again this week but first we've got a word from FanDuel. FanDuel is the superior way to get involved with wagering on the NFL. We're into week seven. We've been having a lot of fun with our parlays. And if you want to look at the same bets that we're looking at every week, you want to join in on FanDuel. New customers have a great promotional opportunity. Bet $5, get $200. Yes, 40 times your money. Bet 5 get $200 back in bonus bets straight to your account. And then the world's your oyster. Then you've got... Hundreds of ways to use that free money, spreads, player props, over-unders, futures, alternate lines, and some of those uh, wacky props that we throw out here on the the football party. You can get in the action as well. Also, NBA starting up, MLB in postseason mode. Make sure to check out all the wagering options at fanduel.com slash locked on or the FanDuel Sportsbook app and get involved with these football bets. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL the FanDuel Sportsbook app. We're also brought to you by Jace Medical. You can empower yourself, folks, and give yourself peace of mind by getting the Jace case. We don't want to feel caught unprepared. Sometimes health issues pop up; they're unexpected. Um, sometimes uh, you're you're very sick. You don't have the proper medication. And it takes a long time to get pharmacy orders uh, fulfilled or you have to sit on hold on the phone. And that's extremely inconvenient. Well, uh, with the Jace case, you can have five life-saving antibiotics chosen for you. Uh, You have a consultant that works with you and they deliver it straight to your door. And you can get those um, at jacemedical.com. J-A-S-E medical.com. Use my code locked on at checkout. For a $20 discount on that order, so you can have that security, have that peace of mind. You won't regret it. Jace Medical, J-A-S-E Medical com. All right, parlay time. Arif Hassan was our first to pick this week. He's also our money leader. After winning his parlay last week, thanks to a Jalen Hurts touchdown and a Jaguars win. He is going Rams minus three. He has texted in Rams minus three with his first wager, and that sends it over to Luke Braun next.
1: Who are Rams playing?
2: I don't know. Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers, Steelers. at home. Oh, wow.
1: Okay. Yeah. That's that's a good one. Uh, I will take... I, too, am shorting a dreadfully bad team. I'm going to take the Raiders minus three. I know there's a lot of... Uh, concerned about that quarterback situation but I spent the last week watching the Chicago Bears film I'm sorry I can't I can't do it uh, the, that de- the Raiders defense might outscore its offense and and that's all right
0: all right um I did some some reading about big double digit underdogs and how frequently they pay and I would love to use that knowledge this week but you know what there aren't any so I'm gonna have to find a team like the Ravens. We're playing at home, taking on a Detroit team that is getting three points, but I like, I like having Justin Tucker, in my back pocket, where if it's tied at the end, Tucker makes a kick. Okay. At least I get a push out of that. So I'm going to go Baltimore at home. I think Detroit's due for you know, a little bit of a, uh, a crashing back to earth moment. They might not have either of their top running backs. So let's go Baltimore at home minus three against the lions
2: going to go with the Chargers, plus five and a half. Justin Herbert, actually great success in Arrowhead. All-time record in Arrowhead, two and one. So give me the points, five and a half. think that's going to be a good, close game. And then for my player prop, I'm actually going to go with, I do a little digging on this one. Dolphins, Eagles, Raheem Mostert, over 12 and a half receiving yards. Devin A. Okay. out of the game so far. Mostert, been great on the ground, but... 12 and a half receiving yards just too tempting to pass up uh, I'm gonna put a hundred bucks on that parlay and that's gonna pay out 25270 252 dollars and70 cents and to back to me I did
0: for the first time lose on San Francisco scoring first and winning not because they didn't score first because they lost um oh here we go here we go to score first and lose. San Francisco, plus 550. That's it. Ooh, That's oh, the wow. ticket right there. Wow. Plus 550. Oh, wow. Um, doesn't even have to be a touchdown. Could just be a field goal. They could definitely lose lose after getting a first drive field goal. So Ravens minus three. San Francisco scores first and loses. All right. So with that huge number, I'm just going to bet the minimum because I can win a cool plus. Eleven forty odds, seventy to win, seven ninety eight sixty four.
2: I love it, swinging for the fence. So you're going to be sweating not only today, not only tomorrow, but all the way up until game time to see if Debo's playing, Trent Williams is playing, and Christian McCaffrey's playing.
0: If they aren't, it'd actually be great if they aren't, because I think that the first drive can still be successful without them. But oh, they're absolutely. more likely to lose absolutely without them as well. You Knowing you only
2: need a field goal, absolutely.
1: There is nothing like it feels so inevitable for no rational reason, just in my heart of hearts that the 49ers get the ball first and march down and score the easiest touchdown.
2: 100% Jordan Mason or like eight play
1: drive takes three minutes, 85 yards, like just perfect. I'm also going to go with a uh, 49ers bet. So here's the thing. The Vikings have a superpower and that superpower is making every single game close, no matter who they are playing play against the chiefs a game's down to the last 2 minute drill play against the bears down to the last 2 minute <laughs> drill <laughs> uh so i am taking the san francisco 49ers by 1 to 13 points one of those uh those four way winning margin Bets that's at plus 125, and it gives me even a little bit of cushion on that one score. Way.
2: Wow, that's at plus money, huh? Interesting. Yeah, so that was thing, really interesting. Maybe a blowout, but obviously the spread well, is seven uh, points. It, so
1: it's that it's a four way thing. So it's, I'm betting against the 49ers winning by 14 or more, and any Vikings, Vikings win, right? Um, that said, that puts me at plus 325. Um, I'll put I'll put 80 on it just to, so that you can't say I bet the minimum. You've, you've maintained your credibility with yeah, that.
2: Right. Cred. I've got a Reef Sobs right here for you, Sam. Tyreek okay. over 97.5. That's at minus 114. Rams minus three. That's at 115. Two-leg parlay plus 250. He goes minimum bet $70 to win 175.67 plus 250. Very good. Can I just say, um, just real quick, before we wrap up, you know, the the scoring in the NFL this year has been way down, especially compared to last year specifically, ever since they changed all the rules, the scoring's gone way up the last decade or so. Have yeah. you seen, did you just scan the over-unders this week? They are so low, so consistently, outside of the Chargers-Chiefs game, which is 47.5, even that, that's not even that high. For those two teams, um, so many of these over-unders are low low 40s high 30s there's quite a bit of them i was shocked that yeah. surprised me quite a bit dolphins
0: eagles sunday night is the the 150 okay wow, well, that's it number which is gonna yeah, be a I mean, great game
1: we have this like too high revolution that has mm-hmm. happened at that basically mahomes caused uh, mahomes caused the whole league to change randy moss style but also I think that the quarterback talent in the league is in a bit of a, a, a rut. The best guys are a little younger. You know, we, we went through two decades where you could always rely on it. There's going to be a Manning offense. There's going to be a Brady offense. There's going to be a Rivers offense. Big Ben, all these, Brees, yeah, tons of them. Drew Brees, yeah. all these guys that were kind of these 2000s dudes that are all now gone and retired. And for like five years, up until the 2017 draft where we got Mahomes, uh, it, I mean, the best thing that, I mean, we had, it was like Geno Smith. And then the best guy that came out was like Derek Carr. And then the best guy James in the next Winston, draft was Marcus Mariota. Yeah, right. We had this, this weird um rut of quarterback talent. And now those are all the guys in their prime. Mm-hmm. And the guys that are dynamic are Josh Allen, you know, Mahomes go to Trevor Lawrence. Who's hurt right now. Like, um, I, I think that it's a, there's just not as many elite quarterbacks, but also those guys are like Josh Allen, who are young and susceptible to having down, down games. Mm-hmm.
0: Warren yeah. Sharp tweeted, the NFL has the fewest TDs uh, since 2010 at this point. Fewest, So it's not just down. Plays.
2: It's catastrophically down. It's yeah. way down. And again, these over-unders kind of prove it. These were surprising.
0: And apparently the largest margin of victory since 2014, which I would not have guessed. I would have. It still
1: feels like well, there's a lot of we, we've been be. exposed to something a little different. <laughs> <laughs> Remember at the beginning of the season when you were like, how many one score games will there be? And Arif was like the 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 had like the sensible take of like four because that's like a normal amount of one score games. And yeah. we've already <laughs> pulled that out. six.
2: They can't do it. Yeah.
1: Um, that was a fun show.
0: That was the Minnesota football party today. Find the audio in the lockdown Vikings feed, find the video on the lockdown sports, Minnesota YouTube channel, and please subscribe and find the 24 seven YouTube live stream there as well. For Luke Inman, Luke Braun and Ron Johnson, I'm Sam Ekstrom saying so long. And we'll talk to you on the round table Friday and we'll have, I guess, an immediate game preview on Monday before the Vikings and 49ers. Talk to you then.